everyone, and welcome to the Uncorked Corner podcast, where we cover the full spread of food and beverage industry topics. My name is Bianca, PR and marketing professional by day and food and wine connoisseur by night. And my name is Nick, an accountant with a passion for barbecue, beer, and whiskey. Today, we welcome Justin Negrotti from Channel Marker Brewing in Beverly, Massachusetts. In this episode, Justin tells us about the local roots of Channel Marker, how they are maximizing the production in their two-barrel operation, and the inspiration behind the various lines of beers that they have available. If you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to us. With that said, let's welcome Justin to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Encore Corner Podcast. I'm Nick. Today, we're here with Justin Negrotti from Channel Marker Brewing. Uh, Justin, let's start by having you give us a little bit of an intro about yourself and your background in brewing. Sure. Um, so Channel Marker Brewing was started in my garage a few miles away from our current location uh, in Beverly, Massachusetts. Um, we're on Rantoul Street, which is one of the main two main roads that run through Beverly, uh, downtown Beverly. Um, we opened our doors here at Channel Marker on January 5th of 2019. So this January, we'll be celebrating our second anniversary, which we're all really excited for. Um, we operate a two-barrel brew house, which for anyone uh, that knows uh, sizing of breweries is a ridiculously small uh, size brewery. So um, we are thankful during COVID times to be the size that we are, but uh, we definitely have aspirations to, to grow our brewery um, in the very near future. Um, in terms of Channel Marker, um, there's three partners. Uh, we've all been lifelong friends and um, born, raised, and never left Beverly, um, which is kind of cool. Um, so there's myself. Uh, my, my other partners are Tim Corcoran and Jake Crandall. Um, in terms of professional background, um, like a lot of other breweries, none of us actually had commercial brewing experience prior to starting uh, this operation. Um, I went to school for finance. Uh, Tim, uh, Tim did personal training and Jake was a chef at a, at a high school. Um, so rather diverse backgrounds, but all three of us had a common love for beer. Um, we're all looking to, you know, kind of open our own business and do, do it together, um, being lifelong friends. So uh, I think we started an LLC in 2017, drafted up a business plan, and just about a year later had, had uh, started construction um, here at 95 Rantoul Street. And then uh, about three months after construction was finished, we were, we were slinging beers. That's awesome. That's awesome. I yeah, have, uh, you're, in a, <laughs> you're in a great spot too, because I actually went to school down the street. I went to Endicott, so I'm very familiar with Beverly, and we live in Ipswich now, so I'm right around the corner. Um, I love everything. There's so much happening there. I feel like there's a new business opening all the time and I love what you guys are doing. And I think what you've done so far is so cool. So really, really, really nice. And that's uh, such a great when, when did you graduate <laughs> undercut? Cause I, I did as well. I graduated in 2017. Okay. Um, so a few years after me, I was, uh, I was the class of 09, um, studied business and finance and technology at Endicott. Um, met my wife there. 
Um, so she's an Endicott alum here. Uh, Jake actually graduated from Endicott in 2012. And Jake's girlfriend, Ashley, uh, works at Endicott uh, as a marketing director. So um, nice. So no shortage of Endicott <laughs> You guys really never left Beverly, huh? No. Your ecology stayed right there. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of funny. <laughs> now, I'm a finance background as well. They obviously don't give us home brewing classes or anything when you're learning that. So what led you into brewing and how'd you really start making the beer yourself? So um, it's kind of an interesting story there. We, um, I mean, coming out of school, we all kind of developed a, a, a love for craft beer. <clears throat> we were spending our weekends traveling out to different breweries, um, went to Treehouse. Um, we've been to The Alchemist. We took a couple of Vermont trips and really just started kind of traveling around for beer. Um, and, you know, kind of the a story a lot of breweries will tell is, you know, you just kind of want to try your hand at, at making beer. Um, and I tend to be, I'm sure Tim and Jake would attest to this, I tend to be a person who does things either 0% or 100%. So when I told my wife that I wanted to start home brewing, um, I went at 100%. Um, I joined a, a homebrew club kind of attended every meeting that I could, ended up um, getting mentored by somebody who, who is just an amazing home brewer. Um, his name's Joe Devana. He's, he's an, out of Everett. Um, learned everything I could, attended as many brew days with him as possible. Um, and, you know, basically for the better part of 12 months, just immersed myself in reading, in attending homebrew club meetings, brewing with Joe, um, brewing, started brewing in, in, in my garage. Um, and that just sort of cascaded into, you know, really falling, falling in love with, with the brewing process and, um, you know, going, going to Endicott and getting a business degree definitely, um, in, encouraged, you know, my desire to, to put it to use and, and try and, you know, make my own business. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's a jump that I still have not made yet, but I know we've had a guest on in the past with a home brewing one-on-one, -on -one, a local brewer that we have up here. And it's something that I definitely want to get into. Uh, not a ton of space here in my apartment, as you can see, it's a little place, but <laughs> you, don't, you don't need much. You don't need much. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. For people that are into craft beer, it seems like a really good way to get into it and learn a lot more. I mean, just talking to a guy we've had on before, Jim, uh, about the different types of hops and the different flavors you can pro get out of the beers and everything. And obviously there's no shortage of styles of craft beer. So oh, it's really yeah. cool. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the, the best things about getting into the, into the brewing industry and, and really just, um, you know, just like homebrew clubs and that sort of stuff is that um, it's, it's rare you'd ever come across somebody who wasn't willing to talk to you about process or ingredients or, you know, fermentation temperatures or water profiles or whatever it may be related to craft beer. Everyone's just, you know, for the most part, um, very willing to share and, and, and to help one another and, and, you know, collaborate. And I think you see that too with the industry on a lot of professional levels where there's a lot more collaboration than rivalry that you see. Oh. You see way more beers, you know, between two brewers, like, oh, this is awesome. We partnered up. We're doing this style. Uh, instead of people kind of going at each other, trying to have who has the better beer. Sure. It's a lot oh, yeah. of making the best there's, one for everyone. So. Yeah, I, there's definitely healthy competition. Um, 
we're one of four breweries within a, just about a square mile radius here in, in downtown Beverly. Um, and I would say there's definitely a healthy rivalry before, between the four of us. But at the end of the day, um, you know, everyone wants to see everyone else succeed. And, and um, I think, you know, not, not to quote Paul Gentile, but he, he said it best, the rising tide lifts all ships. Um, so when everyone's kind of, you know, striving towards brewing the best beer that they can, I think that that ultimately um, serves the, the greater good. Putting more good beer on taps and shelves <laughs> is always better for everyone. Yeah. That is true. What were some of the first beers that you guys decided to try out? I know it must have been somewhat of a learning curve. So what were some of the ones that you said in the beginning? Like, these are the ones we definitely want to do. And I know you've done quite a bit since launching. So love to hear about kind of the, the first couple things that you decided on. So we tend to brew um, the styles of beer that we um, enjoy drinking. Um, the caveat to that is lagers. Um, we would like 100% love to brew lagers if we could here. Um, just given our size and capacity, we just don't have the ability to tie up a tank for six weeks, to let, let a beer sit cold. Um, but having said that, um, you know, when we were, when we were able to get out to more breweries, I think um, what we really enjoyed drinking were the hazy New England style double IPAs and single IPAs and, and pale ales. Um, so that was kind of what we started um, brewing first uh, in my garage. Um, and I learned quite a bit from, from my mentor, Joe, on kind of the basic basics 101 around New England style IPAs, how to brew them, how to hop them, temperatures and, you know, yeast and those sorts of things. So I had a really good kind of core fundamental um, building block, to, you know, to take into my own garage when we started brewing there. Um, and from there, just kind of, you know, talking to more breweries and, and, and planning and, and brewing and brewing and brewing, um, dialing in those, those kind of baseline recipes for, for, and some of them are still beers we brew today. Um, and then from there, um, you know, the one thing that, a style of beer that we really enjoyed drinking early on was the fruited sour beers that are, have become very popular today. Um, so we found ourselves having to um, develop relationships with beer traders, you know, out in California and out in Virginia with the Vale, um, Aslan, other, other types of um, breweries that were doing these fruited sour beers. And, um, you know, no one around here was kind of brewing them, um, you know, to, to the level that, that we wanted. So that was kind of the second sort of portfolio of beers that we decided to really uh, hang our hat on was the fruited sour beers. And those have been very, very popular for us uh, today. Um, yeah, those are some of our favorite. Um, those are some of our favorite styles too. I think Nick and I always are looking for new sours to try. And I think they're always so different, you know, Di between brands, it doesn't matter, you know, what kind it is. They're all so oh, drastically it's different. So, so it's awesome to try them. Yeah, it's just, it's just fun. It's a lot of fun. So, um, so those, those, I would say coming out of the garage and moving down here to, to Rantoul street, um, we knew we wanted to brew hazy beers. We knew we wanted to brew fruited sours. Um, and then occasionally we enjoy a dark beer, um, whether that's a stout or a porter. Um, we actually recently brewed what, what's called, called a dark mild, which is, you know, a low ABV, um, very lightly hopped, just, you know, a sessionable ale, a dark sessionable ale. So, um, you know, every once in a while we'll brew a dark beer. We actually brewed a dark beer yesterday, um, that we're really, really excited to bring back. It's a beer we haven't had in 
haven't brewed in over a year. It's called the Commodore. It's a peanut butter and chocolate porter. Um, and so we were, uh, we brewed that yesterday and I'm excited for that to come out in a couple of weeks. Yeah. One of my favorite beers actually overall is a place up here called Mass Landing. They have a peanut butter milkshake. Oh, yeah. So I love when you have um, the peanut butter and those dark beers, it just makes it so smooth and oh, so flavorful. So I would, I'm excited to try that or, one as well. Yeah. Uh, we know some guys up there um, at Mass Landing and uh, that's certainly, that's a pinnacle for us. That's a pinnacle, you know, peanut butter beer that we would, you know, that's what we strive to achieve when, when we're, you know, trying to brew these beers. It's so. funny. They're about 30 second drive at the end of my street. I'm up here in Portland, Maine. So I have no, no good beer up there. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of brewers up there. <laughs> so when we're, we're planning on coming down uh, this weekend, so what are some of the beers? And I don't know if you can share this um, that you have, coming out that we're going to get to try or is that like hush hush we're not allowed to know nope happy, happy <laughs> to share um so um we brewed uh, a couple of weeks ago we brewed a new ipa um that we called rod and reel um so we had a, a beer called tackle box that we had a, a label drawn up for um we work with a just an outstanding artist his name's andy hool um and and him and his partner john uh, they do a phenomenal job um, drafting up our, our labels for us. Um, they're all hand painted with oil paints and, and then John digitizes them. And, and um, for uh, these recent beers that we've been releasing with labels, um, Andy's actually been skipping the painting part and just doing the hand pencil sketches of, of the image. So in this case, it's a couple of different fishing poles, two different styles of fishing poles. Um, black and white just looks really cool, um, like an old newspaper kind of a feel. Um, so Rod and Reel's coming out, uh, Friday. Um, we used a couple of new hops in that beer, uh, in that IPA for us. Um, so we used, uh, Comet, uh, which is, um, I have heard has been called the poor man's Citra. Um, we used the, the cryo hop version of that. So it's a more concentrated, um, hop pellet, um, gives off this immense amount of citrus aroma, which we're very excited for. Um, that, and then, um, cashmere cryo, which is another hop out of, out of Yakima, Washington, that, that we're excited for. So, uh, it's got those two, it's got, um, a couple of other varieties in there as well, Strata and Motueko, which we, which we love. So that's, that's a new combination of hops. It's got a couple of new hops that we've never used before. Um, at least here at the, here, here at Channel Marker, I'm on Rantoul. Um, so we're excited for that. We're also going to be bringing back a double IPA called Turn of the Tides. Um, that has Sabro amongst others, which gives off this crazy pineapple coconut aroma and flavor. Um, it's a beer we, we, we uh, dropped early in the summer. We released it, I think, you know, one or two times um, since then, and, and now we're bringing it back for this week. Um, and then the last beer that we're going to drop uh, Friday is a collaboration, a virtual collaboration with a brewery out in California called King's Brewing Company. Um, Kings does amazing fruited sour beers. Um, Jeremiah Cooper, he's, he's one of the owners over there. Um, we hooked up with him. We, we did a, uh, a FaceTime session and walked each other through, through, the, through each other's breweries and uh, came up with this idea to do um, a combination of our propeller um, popsicle uh, style sour beers and their Frosé 
series. Um, so it's a, it's a mashup between those two uh, series of sour beers. And we did a bomb pop version. So if you recall being a kid going up to the ice cream truck uh, and ordering a bomb pop, um, that's what we're hoping to uh, hear folks are, are reminisced when they go to drink this beer uh, come Friday. Awesome. We're excited. Now with everything um, going on right now, do you guys have pours and flights available in the tap room or is everything cans to go? So um, as of right now, we operate a, um, a, it's about an 80 foot long tent um, adjacent to our building. Um, it's got uh, 11 tables, 36 seats, um, and that's open on Fridays and Saturdays, Friday nights and Saturday afternoon into the night. Um, so people can come, we encourage them to come down and you can get draft pours um, delivered, to your, delivered to your seat through our online store. Um, we also have food vendors available. So if you guys are familiar with the COVID restrictions uh, as like, like most of the country, um, you basically have to order food along with the first uh, round of drinks. Um, so we do have food vendors that will come and serve their, um, their dishes um, Fridays and Saturdays. So for right now, anyways, until the weather gets uh, unbearably cold, we're gonna operate that, um, that patio um, for, for draft pours. Um, we do 16 ounces across the board for all the beers. Um, just makes it easier for our staff. Um, and then uh, in addition to that, we offer cans and growlers to go. Got it. And we also saw on the gram that you started slinging hot dogs. So I totally get the COVID deal. <laughs> yeah. Channel dogs. Yep. That was my, um, that was a, that was a fun little project that we had uh, kind of started on the side when, when COVID was happening. And um, you know, there's just so many different changes that have gone on since COVID started, you know, with requirements with food and what constituted food and making sure you had a vendor present, always having food available. So um, you know, to kind of hedge ourselves against situations where a food vendor runs out of food or, you know, they're running late because they had a flat tire or whatever the case may be. Um, we wanted to kind of protect ourselves and have a, have a safety valve we could lean back on. Um, so that's, that's how uh, Operation Hot Dog uh, came to be and, and resulted in uh, channel dogs. <laughs> that's awesome. And it looks like the weather's going to be nice this weekend. So we're excited to get out here and try some I know, of the beers. Yeah, I was talking to Tim and Jake about that. And um, something that we wrestle with every week is figuring out, um, we basically package fresh beer every week. And uh, a challenge for us is figuring out how much beer do we put into cans versus how much beer do we put into kegs? Um, because, you know, you always want to be kind of turning over as much beer as you can. Um, and a big part of that is looking at the forecast, like Thursday, right at like, six o'clock in the morning when we're going to start our packaging runs and figuring out, okay, we got to make our bets here on the, on the weather. What are we going to, what do we think we're going to have for foot traffic in, on the patio? And we think we're better off putting more beers into cans or kegs in that week. And it's, uh, it's a juggling act. And obviously being so small and only having two barrels, uh, you guys, is everything all through you, through your drafts, through your cans, or do you put anything to restaurants around? Does anyone get kegs of your beer to put on tap? We've got, um, so before COVID, we were in, I think, eight or nine different restaurants. We really were only canning once a month, if that, um, more for fun for us because we like, we like you know, having cans available. Um, um, so we definitely had more draft, uh, quite a few more draft accounts than we do now. Um, when we hit like 
June, July and restaurants started to reopen, we saw, I think two or three restaurants come back and um, they, they're still customers today and they, they definitely go through beer, um, but, but definitely have, have trimmed down, you know, the number of restaurants that were, uh, that we're doing business with right now. So for the Do most, have a, the beer's coming out of our, 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 our doors. Do you guys have a story? And just out of my own curiosity, I suppose, you have quite a few cans with the siren and, and it seems like a big thing for you. Is there a story behind that? Or was that just kind of something that you just try out and it just stuck for a lot of your different sours that you're offering? Yeah, I think, um, you know, for, for us, we, we always try and keep our names of our beers nautically themed, um, given the channel marker. Um, and, you know, if you think of um, like a mermaid, right, they're seductive, they tend to be, you know, sexy and they want and, and they're attractive. And, and that's kind of what we that's kind of where we wanted to go with the with the fruited sour beers, we wanted them to be bold and to, you know, really pop and to really attract people to, you know, with, with the artwork and, and obviously what's inside the can. Um, so that's, you know, that's kind of the vision and the and the the notes that we gave our artist, Andy. Um, and then pretty much once we kind of give him some words and some, some thoughts on vision, he takes it from there. Um, so when he showed us the, you know, the sketch of, of the image, we just, you know, it was like, oh yeah, that's going to be, that's exactly what we're going for. Um, so that's kind of the story there. And is that, uh, so I know that's an ongoing run where you have different, all of your fruited sours are fitting into that. And is that one-offs mostly, or do you repeat any of those? Oh yeah. So, um, I think we've, re we've got, I don't know what we have now, seven or eight different siren beers, um, that we have been rotating through. So for the most part, they're, um, all fruit with a little bit of lactose, the, the milk sugar additive. Um, there are a few sirens that have other, uh, adjuncts in them. Um, our pina colada has, has coconut, um, our key lime pie has um, vanilla and graham cracker, but for the most part, they're they're all you know just just fruits. Um, my partner Tim has has quite a sweet tooth, um, and he had a vision to you know start start the propeller series as kind of a, a siren derivative, where you know we could maybe go to a, a supermarket market basket or whatever, and go in the popsicle aisle or look at the menu of an ice cream truck and you know, kind of pick some, some frozen treats off of there and, and try and replicate those flavors in the, in, in the propeller series. Um, so that's kind of where that was born as kind of a summer treat that's now probably going to turn into a year round uh, sour series for us as well. Yeah, and there's so many flavors to bounce off of there that it's, it's never ending. You'll always have something new. It's fun. It's fun. It's definitely, uh, we have some good um, good arguments, healthy arguments around uh, what what kind of flavors we're going to try and put together and 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 um, and mix and match and stuff like that. It's definitely, that's the fun part of coming up with these sours for sure. Do you tend to switch up the flavors with the seasons, or do you kind of just do it with the ingredients that are you know here and right now that you just happen to have this idea, or do you try to tailor them to the time of the year as well? Um, that's a very interesting question. So. Um, I would say we definitely try and keep seasonality in mind. So um, last year for Thanksgiving, we did a cranberry blood orange um, to tie in for the Thanksgiving day holiday. Um, so we're gonna bring that back around for this year's Thanksgiving release also. 
um, and, a, and a new um, a, a version of Siren that we've um, that we brewed and put only into kegs going back probably about a year or so ago. Um, we're going to put that into cans for the first time. I'll keep that one to myself so that we have a little bit of a surprise here. Um, so that one's going to be coming out. That's with some darker fruits. Um, some of it depends on like what we have available for labels at the time. Um, so we noticed, for example, uh, recently that we have some uh, key lime watermelon um, left over from an earlier, I think, July 4th release that we did. Um, so that one will come around this fall. So I wouldn't say it's entirely seasonally based. Um, there's an element of like making sure that we're kind of rotating through our portfolio of, of fruits. Um, so it, if you ask me tomorrow, I'll probably have a different answer. But for right now, it's uh, we picked the key lime watermelon because we had the labels for it. And, um, you know, some of the other ones that are coming down the pipe are, are more seasonally based. That's the beauty of, you know, being, <laughs> own your own business. You put it, yeah. <laughs> and you're at the perfect size where you can still like play around with that stuff and you can yeah. use what you have and experiment. Only two with barrels, things, so, so. You know, if people don't like it, then they'll probably like the flavor that's coming out the following week. Awesome. So we're so glad to have you on. We're excited to try your beers this weekend. Uh, thank you again for taking the time to talk to us. We're glad to see another local brewery popping up, making some great beers. And we look forward to talking again soon. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Be sure to follow us on social at Uncorked Corner and on the blog at uncorkedcorner.com for a taste of more food and beverage content. And if you enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave a comment, subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Thanks for listening. Thanks.